Dear family, today we begin the virtue of poverty part five. Follow the naked Christ in nakedness. Let us pray. Father, you send your only son who being rich became poor to reveal the depth of your love. See, died naked on the cross. Show us the true meaning of poverty as Jesus reveals it. Mother Mary, pray for us. Amen. Today we're going to focus on one sentence on the teaching that the Lord gave us on January 30th, 2018, the mission of the Twelve, from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10, verse 1 through 24. This is the sentence. My disciples wear my yoke, the wood of the cross, united to me. I am their all. This imagery brings us to think about being right next to Jesus as those two animals that pull the cart and they're yoked together and we are walking in perfect unity, synchronized as one with Christ, carrying our burdens, the trials of life. And it's interesting because the only way to unity, the Lord is showing us, is his yoke. He says, my disciples wear my yoke. Therefore, the wood of the cross, unity in Christ, which brings us to unity in the Trinity, can only be accomplished as we enter the poverty of Jesus crucified and allow the Spirit to make us one with him. Father Raniero Cantalamesa speaks to us beautifully and powerfully about poverty when he says, relating to poverty and the cross, poverty has followed Christ even unto the cross. It was here that he really espoused poverty. Henceforth, one cannot choose the one without the other. Neither Christ without poverty, nor poverty without Christ. He goes on to say, Father Cantalamesa, If we observe the lives of the greatest lovers of poverty in the history of the Church, we see at once that love for Christ, the desire to follow the naked Christ in nakedness, as the imitation of Christ says, lies at the heart of everything. And I think it's very important that this one sentence become the meditation for this week of Lent. Follow the naked Christ in nakedness. He goes on to say, In the light of all this, Poverty appears not so much as a virtue or a counsel 
or an aesthetical ideal, or even only as a charism, but as an intimate sharing in the mystery of the person of Christ. And by that very fact, in the mystery of his bride, the church. Hopefully, during this reflection, we will discover how revolutionary it is to come to understand poverty in Christ as espoused with Christ. In other words, it's a revelation of love as we attain by God's grace the power to love as one with Christ, we are entering authentic poverty and we're united with this gift of letting go of all these things that get on the way of this union. In our community, when we give our covenant and we receive our cross, it is our wedding ring. It is our union as spouses with Christ, the bridegroom. And if we're going to really be serious about becoming spouse victims with the victim, it's just like spouses. When they enter their marriage, they need to unveil. They need to enter union naked. Our bridegroom is crucified. The cross is the bed of union. And he's crucified naked, meaning he empties himself. He allows himself to be stripped of everything in order to make us, the bride, cleansed. Therefore, we too must enter this stripping, this unveiling, which is growth in this beautiful virtue to enter naked with the nakedness of Christ to become one. In our path, we enter a section on spouses. And on page 269 of the Simple Path to Union with God, number 96, the Lord, well, God the Father, speaks these words to us. Are you now ready to become my son's sacrifice of love? You can no longer be concerned about what others think of you, nor your reputation. You can be concerned only with pleasing my son. You are no longer his handmaid, but his spouse. As his spouse, your life must be lived to console him and to be faithful out of love to his desires. I have to be willing to be stripped of my reputation, willing to be stripped and crucified of what others think of me in order to enter that beautiful spirit of poverty. He goes on to say, Raniero canta la mesa, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in the field 
which someone has found. He goes off joyfully, sells everything he owns, and buys the field. That's Matthew 13.44. Jesus says that the men sold everything not in order to look for treasure, but because he had found it. Poverty is not the price we must pay to return for in return for the kingdom. It is the effect, not the cause, of the kingdom's arrival. In other words, to be living an authentic evangelical poverty means to live in the kingdom of God because the Lord himself has become our treasure and in him we got everything. Therefore, the pearl of great value is poverty. Jesus Christ, our God, becomes poor. The perfect expression of his poverty is his obedience unto the cross. He is crucified naked. His nakedness is the ultimate expression of his poverty. He voluntarily allows himself to be stripped of all his glory and power. The poverty of his nakedness reveals our pride, vanity, sensuality, self-love. When the treasured pearl of poverty is found in Jesus crucified, the soul must be willing to sell everything in order to possess this pearl. I must allow and cooperate with the Holy Spirit to strip me of everything that is mine, material things as well as the most difficult interior things, as we've said, desires, expectations, securities, worldly as well as talents, opinions, plans, reputation, knowledge, a total abasement. This can only happen through the burning flame of the Holy Spirit. Raniero Cantalamesa then quotes St. John of the Cross, who calls spiritual poverty nakedness, which he defines as the renunciation of those goods which can remain in the soul, such as desires, appetites, and consolations. So this takes us to ponder a little the second nail of purification in the simple path to union with God. And on page 209 of the path, it says this, Now we no longer feel his consolations as we used to. And we must walk in the darkness of faith in perfect trust. We still have emotions, but now having experienced profound intimacy with God, our union is no longer contingent on consolations. Here we enter the second degree of poverty, allowing us to be stripped of the consolations as the Lord taught us, not only sometimes of friendships, 
but the consolations from God himself. It says on page 209 of The Simple Path, You now live in peace, in the darkness of faith, without my sweet consolations. In this degree of interior crucifixion with Christ, you begin to see, we begin to understand the deeper and more profound union with Jesus crucified. And consolations are all the beautiful experiences that are the fruit of entering into a relationship with God. You experience a wonderful, sweet union that becomes very dear to you. And often those who begin to lose this feel as if God had abandoned them, when in fact God is drawing us deeper into a more direct relationship with him so that we fall more in love with him than with the consolations themselves. So this is really something we should not fear because he will draw us to a greater joy. The Lord explains his own desolation on the cross in the simple path to union with God in number 69. You can ponder this entire words from our Lord that are so beautiful in your path, in the simple path. So I'm only going to focus on just a few sentences because it's one of the longer messages that the Lord gives us. But Jesus said, My desolation, speaking his desolation on the cross, made my faith in my Father radiate its perfection. The Lord then goes on to explain in a few sentences to us what he gave us, the fruit of his own desolation on the cross. And then he goes into sentences speaking about the fruit of our desolation lived in union with him. Then towards the end of that message, the Lord says, My desolation was so important for the salvation of the world that the Father willed for my mother to continue suffering my desolation on earth. Her suffering of solitude was her continuation of my desolation, and it produced and continues to produce a shower of graces for the world. Therefore, the poverty of living in desolation, in faith, in hope, and in love, united to Jesus crucified's desolation, is the poverty of solitude. And it is in this poverty that the victim soul is most fecund for the world. It is in this poverty that we come to experience complete abandonment in the Holy Spirit. Therefore, why is poverty the most treasured pearl? 
Because through poverty, the soul's nakedness becomes clothed in God, in his light. It is here that we begin to to really live the words of scripture, of the gospel, when the Lord tells us that we are called to be his light. It is the flame of love, the Holy Spirit, that brings us to discover the pearl of great value, poverty, and exclaim, I have fallen in love with poverty. This beautiful imagery of the hidden treasure brings to our understanding what we are to receive, but we need to take a step in faith. If you have something that you value a lot, it's difficult to give it up unless you are convinced that what you're going to receive in exchange is far greater. And so the Lord is promising to us that he will give us a participation of himself, a union with himself, for which it's worthy, it's worth it, to give up all the other things in order to possess him. And and what the Spirit does in that flame, his flame of fire, the flame of love, is that what's moving us, as Father Jordy says, to give up everything is the falling in love with the naked Christ. As we fall in love with him, our desire is to be like him, one with him. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5, 3. The Lord in the Simple Path to Union with God on page 303, number 110, speaks to us of the spirit of poverty. He said, I wish to teach you about poverty, the spirit of poverty. There is physical poverty, but the spirit of poverty is much more beneficial for your soul. It saddens me greatly when my sons, he's speaking of his priest and religious, live physical poverty but remain only there and do not allow the Holy Spirit to bring them to live the spirit of poverty. The spirit of poverty is lived when you allow the Holy Spirit, my blessed mother and myself, to strip you of everything interiorly, your desires, expectations, plans, attachments, securities, consolations and friendships, even consolations from me, as we have already been explaining, so that you are left completely empty. It is, it is a soul that has been stripped of everything that is empty that can be filled with my life. There was a question to the Lord, my Lord and my God, what can I do to participate in this work? And Jesus' answer is very beautiful and very revealing to us because I think we all have that question in, in our hearts. Jesus' answer is this. Allow yourself to be perfected through suffering 
Suffer with greater trust in me. Suffer with greater abandonment and love. Therefore, the key to union, the key to grow in poverty, is to suffer in Christ with greater trust. And Raniero Cantalamesa goes on to say, Spiritual poverty and material poverty cannot be separated. Each requires the other. Christianity has never advocated a disembodied spiritual poverty that could dispense with real poverty altogether or even coexist with material excess. So he's inviting us not to fool ourselves. As long as we are really surrounded with attachments that we just can't let go, we're not really living spiritual poverty. The interior and the exterior has to be in harmony. And that's why the Lord taught us in his teaching on the mission of the Twelve. He said, I will remind you again, the Lord's words, he said, nor to tent tunics. My disciples must live simply as I did, poor, never in excess. So in Jesus' training to each of us that have responded to be his disciples, especially his victim souls, he, the Lord teaches us through both material poverty and interior poverty. The poor in spirit, says Father Raniero, are the poor who are believers. It is as if Jesus had said, Blessed are you poor. Because you have believed. And it comes to mind there were many kings and rich persons who were very holy. Like Elizabeth of Portugal, Elizabeth of Hungary. They live in palaces. They had a great wealth. But look at how interesting. The minute that they could, they gave everything to the poor. There was a time that they could not do that. And they learned to live in the palaces and everything because of the husband, the, the state in life that God had called them to be, but they were not attached to anything but Christ. So when the Lord freed them, they just flew, and they were able to, to live in that state of total abandonment. It's beautiful here how Father Cantalamesa teaches us that to truly be poor in spirit is the connection with humility and to believe. He says they truly are, those, those that are poor in spirit are those that believe. The Lord has also taught us this in the simple path to union with God on page 311 in number 116. The Lord said to us, the intellect can receive my word and manipulate it. But the Spirit penetrates a heart with my word and transforms it. To believe is to abandon yourself to me so that I can make you a new creation through my Spirit. What is required to believe? Humility and simplicity, our Lord tells us. So he's uniting this humility and simplicity with true believing, true faith. 
That is why I say the Lord continues to teach us. That is why I say you must be like a child to truly come to believe and follow me. So we're going to focus here a little on this connection of poverty and spirit with humility and simplicity. Now we go to St. Augustine, father of the church, who said, The humble man is poor in spirit. And uh, Father Cantalamesa comments, The poor in spirit see themselves as totally dependent on God for everything and can only relate to God as a debtor in a spirit of pure gratitude. Two essential elements of the poor in spirit are humility and trusting God. That is, trusting abandonment. These two elements, humility and trust in God, are joined in what is known as the psalm of spiritual childhood. And we see this in Psalm 131. O Lord, my heart is not proud. As a child has rest in his mother's arms, even so my soul. O Israel, Hope in the Lord, both now and forever. With the message from the Lord that he's given the community of love crucified in 2011 on simplicity that I shared with you in the last reflection, I'll recall one sentence when the Lord taught us about simplicity. The Lord said, I desire the simplicity of the innocence of a child with its mother. So the Lord draws us into the poverty of that simplicity, a child completely trusting, abandoned in its mother's arms. So we'll end now this reflection with unity, this movement of poverty to be, to follow the naked Christ in nakedness brings us to the goal, you can say, of the simple path to union with God. And what is that? Unity. It is the fulfillment of Jesus Christ's prayer when he prays before he, he's going to, to enter his passion, the deepest desire for unity. As he and the Father are one, he desires for us to be one with them. Unity. So the second level of humility that we've learned desiring solely the cross as one with Christ, and the second and third level of poverty walk hand in hand. They are the fruits of the nails of crucifixion that we learn about in chapter 4 of The Simple Path. Father Raniero tells us, By giving humanity the commandment to love God with all your strength as the first commandment, God was inviting men and women to concentrate on one single love, thereby, in a certain sense, inviting them to renunciation and poverty. To love God, says St. John of the Cross, means divesting oneself of everything that is not Him. To reach unity we must take the opposite route and proceed 
by way of decrease, subtraction, and surrender. This is the way of poverty. This is so important for us to remember and for us to ponder as next week we enter Holy Week. True to really receive the pearl of poverty, union with the naked Christ, our beloved spouse, we must also be willing to die to our human nature that wants to increase, that wants to be seen, that wants to be known, that wants to be heard, that wants to be successful, and really enter the opposite. As we see Jesus and his passion, we see how he's decreasing, subtraction, surrender, the ultimate poverty. That must become our life also. There are two movements in human beings, explains Father Cantalamesa. The first is the movement within. It's the movement towards the depth of the soul. And this movement brings us towards unity. The entire living of the simple path to union with God is God's grace to the church to help all of us enter this movement deep within our being because it is only for the souls that truly enter into the depths of the souls that unity with God is possible. The second movement in human beings, explains Father Cantalamesa, is the movement outward towards action, willing, knowing, having. And he explains that movement towards multiplicity. So what happens at the conclusion of this journey back into interiority? An activity takes place. That is the birth of God in the soul. And in what manner does all this take place? Precisely through spiritual poverty. A person cannot provide a more favorable environment in which God can act in this way than by detaching himself, not only from things, but also from all things of her activities, his or her activities and ideas. And what is the subsequent fruit of all this? Not only does the Father beget His Son within you, but you yourself are begotten as a child of God and receive power. St. Augustine has a beautiful quote. He goes, Do not go outside. Go back inside yourself, for truth dwells in the inner man. This is such an important message for the world today, for the church, for our priest, for the formation of a godly priesthood, a transformed priesthood for the church. For, for, for great spiritual directors, we need men and women that live profoundly in the spirit, the interior life. Having reached the center of himself, in the starkness of his own being, man finds not only himself, 
or silence or the absence of everything or emptiness. No, rather he finds instead the being, the word, the presence, the fullness. Therefore, the message from Eckhart and the mystics is in general is not that one should abandon one's commitments and retire once more from the world, but that one should reestablish the balance and the vital rhythm between exteriority and interiority, between unity and multiplicity. We need to rediscover the riches contained in the depth of the soul so as to pour them into human relationships, which can only be saved through the inner renewal of individuals. And we have to here be so grateful to God for the gift of the simple path to union with God, which is a gift from God to the church, helping us rediscover and how to enter the interior life to encounter God himself and become one with him. Our Lord said to us in the simple path to union with God, number 36, page 126. I'll just read one sentence. Jesus says, I desire to draw you into the depth of my sacred heart to immerse you in love. In order for us to enter the depth of the sacred heart of Jesus, we have to be willing to enter the depth of our own hearts. That is where the heart of Jesus dwells. And St. Francis of Assisi has a beautiful quote that really is so down to earth that I think we can all appreciate, and especially in love crucified through self-knowledge of true spirit of poverty. St. Francis of Assisi said, There are many people who spend all their time at their prayers and other religious exercises and mortify themselves by long fasts and so on. But if anyone says as much as a word that implies a reflection on their self-esteem or takes something from them, they are immediately up in arms and annoyed. These people are not really poor in spirit. A person is really poor in spirit when he hates himself and he loves those who strike him in the face. And here we see the beauty of how God has formed us through the simple path to union with God, showing us how we have to be willing and docile to receive those difficult stings of self-knowledge when we, especially when it comes from other people, those corrections, in order to really become poor in spirit. And we'll end with the simple path to union with God, which ends with the desire for unity. Number 87, the Lord said, I desire to draw you into true unity, the unity of the love of the most holy trinity. The union of sorrows will bring you into the union of love. The gaze of the Father is upon you. Be love. Live solely for love, forgetting yourself. It was asked of him, My Lord, 
How do I live solely for love, forgetting myself? And the Lord said, Live to please me. To live in the unity of the Trinity is to live gazing at the Father through the Son to please him in all things. So we end this retreat, this reflection today, asking the Holy Spirit in this time of Lent, as we approach Holy Week, to grant us this grace of total unity with our naked Christ, to enter the gaze and live in the gaze of the Father as children in his loving embrace in the arms of the Holy Spirit. Amen. For more information on the path to union with God, please visit the Love Crucified Community website at www.lovecrucified.com. God bless you.